Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Well, listen, we're going to talk about resurrection life this morning. And so I just want to invite you for a few minutes um, just to pause and consider Jesus, who he is, what he's done for us. And friends, I just want to say to you, um, on an Easter Sunday, you know, we're often, we're, we're just reflecting upon the beauty of the gospel of Jesus, the good news of our Savior who's come for us. And so I realize we, we might have a wide range of people here this morning. There may be folks who've never met Jesus, and I wanna invite you to consider what he's done for us through his death and resurrection this morning. He loves you, and he would love for you to know him and enjoy new life in him today. But I also wanna say, friends, fellow believers, if you're here this morning, you love the Lord and you've walked with him for a long time, I believe he has something for you today. I want to talk to us this morning, not just about the resurrection, but specifically about resurrection joy. Does anybody know that we live in a day that is in need of some joy? Yeah, like three people agree with that? Okay. I think we might need a little joy in our day. It's it's all too common in our time, in our culture, like one of the things that marks our current generation is feelings of deep anxiety, fear, people struggling with depression. There's a sense of of a lack of connection even with each other. And so we're in desperate need of joy. And you know, one of the things that's, that's beautiful about spring and we get to celebrate Easter Sunday and spring is it's, it's that hope of new life, right? I mean, that's what's, what's so beautiful about the spring season, whether, whether you're an outdoor person and you enjoy gardening or, or whatever, you know, it's just, it's that new life that's coming. For me, I always associate baseball with the coming of spring, you know? The players are showing up at spring training. It's like, all right, Warm weather and sunshine is around the corner. The cold, rainy winter is coming to a close. Well, on the very first Easter morning, there was no sense of anticipation. There was no sense of joy. Now, Jesus had told those that he loved that he was gonna rise from the grave, but they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And so we're gonna pick up the scene. This is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. I want to start by just reading the first verse. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Friends, if just for a few moments this morning, we need to pause and consider the sorrow of that early morning, the deep sorrow of the loss of their beloved Jesus. Jesus wasn't, Um, like an icon to them. He was a person that they knew and loved and had walked with. They had experienced relationship with them. They had experienced the life in his words as he taught them about this father in heaven who loved them. As he worked miraculously 
to heal broken bodies and to heal broken hearts. And now their hearts are broken. They've watched him suffer and die. And like all the things that they hoped for, that they believed about him, to them, those things had come to an end. And so they get up on that early morning to fulfill a duty, a heartbreaking task to go to his tomb and prepare his body. And so these these women approach the tomb on that early Sunday morning. And thank God for verse two. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. Now at this moment, the guards freak out in fear. But the angel appeared to the women, verse five, and said, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. For he has risen as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. The women are given unbelievable news. Good news, the best news ever. And they're told, don't be afraid. Come and see the empty tomb. And so he invites them in and they see his body's not there. The tomb is empty. The stone has been rolled away. And they've been told, go carry this good news to the disciples. And so verse eight, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. Friends, I want you to catch this this morning. They received some information. And the information they received was encouraging news. And when they took that good news, they left still with mixed emotions. There was fear still present in their hearts. Is this real? Could this be true? I don't know. There was still uncertainty, even though they had been delivered the good news that Jesus was risen. They had some joy in their hearts, but they had fear. And so look what happens next. Jesus decides, I need to intervene. They've heard about me, but they need to see me. And so verse nine says, and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of him and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Friends, Jesus now meets them personally. The resurrection is no longer just good and important information. The resurrection is the experience of the presence of Jesus. Friends, I'm not here to tell you about good information this morning. I wanna invite you to know Jesus. That's the good news, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What changed their lives was seeing him face to face. 
there's the one that I love. There's the one who loves me. There's the one who's offered me something I've never experienced anywhere before. It's the perfect, beloved son of God. And I thought he was gone forever. I thought all hope was lost. And here he is in front of me. And so they receive back the one they had lost. Now I want you to consider this. Jesus stops to address something specific. They left with some information and had fear and joy. Jesus shows up in person and he addresses their fear. And so what were they left with? Nothing but joy. Friends, God's heart for us is that we would have resurrection joy. And so what I wanna do for a few minutes this morning is I wanna walk you through a few scriptures that we might be able to receive and experience resurrection joy ourselves. Friends, the first thing I wanna say to you about joy is that joy is a relationship word. Joy is not happiness. It's not based on some emotion or feeling, some certain set of circumstances or experiences. Joy is a relationship word. And joy is found in the presence of God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 16, verse eight, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Those are relationship words. Lord is right here in front of me. He's by my side and so I won't be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. Have you ever been so happy you can feel it like all the way down to your toes? My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells securely. Verse 10, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor let your Holy One see corruption. The psalmist doesn't even realize it yet, but he's talking about Jesus' death and resurrection. He's talking about joy in the presence of God, joy that defeats death. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Friends, God's promise to us that is, that is in his presence, we will experience ultimate, full, and complete joy. Now, I'm not gonna put you on the spot this morning. I'm not gonna ask you to raise hands or stand up. But I wonder how many of us often feel that we are experiencing the fullness of joy in our day-to-day lives. That's God's offer. That's his promise. That's what he longs for us to experience. But if you're like me, often that seems like the farthest thing from me. What I'm so often living with and aware of is my disappointments, my struggles, my own failures, or the hurts and pains of life. And yet God wants to extend to us joy. How can we have that? Listen, this word presence here, it means more than just like he's standing there while we are experiencing the presence of some geese this morning. Did Matt Thomason call in his order? Is that what happened? That, 
That is literally a joke for one person. Did you? Yeah. All right. Sorry. We're just having a moment. Excuse us. The word presence that the scripture uses here to describe experiencing fullness of joy in the presence of God, that word presence actually means face. It means face. It's the idea of being face to face with God or, or him turning to face us, to see us. There is deep connection in the face. Now what's powerful about this scripture, this was written thousands of years ago. It's an old verse and yet more current science is teaching us this very thing. Friends, the way that we experience joy in our minds, like the way the neuroscience in our brain works, our joy receptors turn on in the presence of a face that loves and accepts and welcomes us. Joy is triggered when you walk in the door after a long, hard day and you're greeted genuinely, lovingly by a face that cares about you. It immediately triggers joy and it's joy that is healthy for our mind. It literally builds up and strengthens our mind. Joy is found in the face. In fact, this is one of the reasons why it is essential for, for our babies, like small children, so much of their brain development happens not only in those first four years, but like the first nine months are crucial. And there is this powerful thing that happens when mother and child, father and child are like this, face to face. And parents, what do we do with our little babies? We talk to them. We coo over them. We talk nonsensically, but we give them our face and we smile. Listen, anybody in here ever lived with a newborn? It's hard. They don't let, yeah, we got some, got some new parents here. You get no sleep. It's exhausting. You know, you're dealing with dirty diapers. I mean, everything about it, you just give and you give. And yet when you hold that precious child and you see that face, it all melts away. And there's that exchange of joy. And it's doing something powerful in their development that prepares them for life. It literally grows and develops parts of their brain that are essential. God understands this. He designed us to have face-to-face -face connection with one another. And he said, you'll experience fullness of joy in my face. Why? Because in his face, you'll never see the look of disappointment. You'll never see the look of disgust or rejection. He loves you deeply. He knows you better even than you know yourself. All your faults, all your failures, the things you don't like about yourself, he's all right with that. He loves you and cares about you. And it's in his face where we experience the look of recognition, like I'm known and I'm accepted as I am. He loves me. In fact, it doesn't mean that he doesn't care about our sin and brokenness. That's the whole point of what we're talking about this morning. That's what Jesus dealt with on the cross. God says, let me take care of your brokenness and your sin. Let me wash that away and I'll take you as you are. Because my grace, my sacrifice, my blood is enough. It's enough to cover you and cleanse you. 
And so we find joy in his face. Joy is an essential component and we need it, friends. We've always needed it, but we need it now more than ever in our day. I can't help but, but think this morning as, as we're talking about resurrection life and Jesus um, revealing himself to those women and later to the disciples whom he loved, showing his face and them discovering joy in a person, in his face. It's also how he arrived. Do you remember what the angels said when they came to declare the good news of his arrival to the shepherds? They said, fear not. Same thing Jesus just said, fear not. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great what? Joy. And who's it for? All people. Good tidings of great joy for all people. The angels, again, didn't just give information. They sent the shepherds to a person. They sent the shepherds to look on the face of a child. Friends, God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world. This morning, we're not here to just receive theological information. I'm all for the right information. We need truth. Friends, we're here because of the person of Jesus Christ who longs for us to see his face. And so joy is found in his presence. Now we are able to experience this joy because Jesus walked a lonely road for us so that we no longer have to be alone. He went to the cross for us and he did it for joy. Hebrews 12, two. So we look to Jesus I want you to see how often in these verses now, there's the connection with face, with looking, with our eyes, with joy. We look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, at the cross, Jesus endured the weight of our sin. At the cross, he endured the physical toll of the beatings and the death on the cross. And he endured the sense of abandonment. His disciples had left him. Even those who who loved him, who tried to stick around and stay near the cross, eventually they were even away from the cross. They just couldn't handle it anymore. He was there alone. And in his final moments on the cross, what does he cry out? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus experienced the fullness of abandonment on the cross for you and I so that we would not have to experience that anymore. Now he's quoting on the cross from Psalm 22, that line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that Psalm in powerful terms, I'm not gonna read through the whole thing this morning, I'd encourage you to do so. That whole Psalm is an unbelievable picture of the sacrifice of Jesus written hundreds of years before he came. And as David is painting a picture of his own groaning, and as he paints the picture of the groaning and lostness that we experience, that all of humanity experiences. Uh, We're being abandoned by the geese now. What a shame. 
the lostness that, that, that we all experience, the brokenness that we experience as humanity, Jesus took it upon himself on the cross. And Psalm 22, one through 21, describe in, in, in great detail this suffering. But there's a couple of verses that show up right in the midst of the description of the suffering of Christ. And this suffering servant begins to speak to his people. And in the midst of his brokenness, he says this. This is Psalm 22, verses 22 through 24. I will tell of your name to the brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. Verse 24. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried. Friends, Jesus experienced that abandonment so that we no longer have to. In our hurt, in our affliction, in our difficulty, there is hope, and I would say there is even joy. Friends, joy is not the absence of difficult things. It's not the absence of hurt or pain. It's the sense of someone that's with you in it. Anybody ever gone through a season of, of deep, like mourning, maybe the loss of a loved one? And then someone that you love and care about shows up and they come to you. And even in the pain of that moment, that sense of like, they're with me. We can hold each other. We can cry together. We're in this together. I'm not alone. And it buoys us just being present with one another. It's like all you wanna do is just sit and be together even in your grief. It's the power of joy. It's the presence of love no matter the circumstances. And that's the message of both the cross and the resurrection. The cross says he took that pain on himself. The resurrection says he is alive forever and present with us. And so this joy that I've been talking about is now available and so Jesus makes it clear that we can experience it when he says to Nicodemus in John 3, 3, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Friends, in the same way that that small child needs to experience real, tangible joy in the face of their parents in those early formative months and years of their life, Friends, whatever our experience has been with other people in our lives, parents and loved ones, whether we experience love or not, whether we had good parents or absent parents or difficult parents, whatever our experience, God wants us to experience the perfect love of the Father and the gift of new birth. Like Jesus isn't just talking about some strange idea or concept, it's a gift. You can be born again. All the pain and hurt and difficulty we've experienced, there's new life and we can see him face to face. We can experience that miracle of the love and presence of God. 
we can see something that we wouldn't be able to see before. And it's a miracle that can happen even though Jesus isn't standing right here. You know, isn't that the hardest thing about, about hearing about the resurrection? Like I read these stories and I go, oh man, to be Mary Magdalene in that moment, to see him standing there, like you couldn't help but believe. You couldn't help but experience that joy. But friends, God wants us to be able to experience that joy and he gives us that gift. Peter, who saw Jesus face to face, who experienced joy as Jesus forgave him for his denial of him. Peter now writes to those of us who've never seen Jesus. I want you to hear these words from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and then verses 8 and 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There is a miracle of being born again that he's given to all of us. Verse eight, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Friends, the invitation of Jesus this morning, if you've never met him, he wants your life to be made new. The Bible uses this word repentance. We repent and are saved. You know what that word repentance means? It means to turn. Do you know where we're turning? We're turning from a life of walking alone and we're turning to the face of a God who loves us fully, completely, and eternally. A God who wants to address and forgive our sin who wants to heal our brokenness and our hurt, the sins we've experienced from others, and who wants to assure us that the, for the rest of our days in this life and for eternity with him forever, we'll never walk alone again. And while we will face difficulty and we will ultimately face death unless we're alive when he returns, while we will face those things, we'll face them with him. We'll face them with him right there, present, loving us because of the new birth that he offers. Friends, I wanna leave you with one final thought this morning. If, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you know him and you love him, if you've experienced his resurrection life in your life, I just, I just want you to hear me say these words this morning. If you've struggled with joy, I believe the Lord wants to renew your joy this morning. He sees you. Listen, I'm a pastor. I've been one for a while now. And I'm just telling you this morning, I still experience seasons where it's hard to see him. It's hard to understand. There are times in my life where it feels like, God, are you really truly present? Even when it is hard for me to see, he promises that he's there. And he promises, hey, Jake, even though you can't see me right now, I see you, buddy. I see where you're at. 
I see the road you're walking and I want to assure you I'm with you and I love you and I'm for you and you are not alone and I want to restore your joy. I want you to experience the reality of my presence. One of the the most beautiful moments of my life is also one of the hardest moments of my life. I don't have time to get into the whole story here, but um, we we walked the road of adoption uh, many years ago now, about 14 years ago. In the process of adopting my son from Ukraine, while we were going through that process, um, I got stuck in Ukraine with him. There was trouble with paperwork and medical stuff and getting into the country. And so we spent several extra days, just me and him. Our, our lives had just collided together. We didn't know each other before this moment. Um, he's nonverbal and he didn't understand English. I mean, he'd been speaking Ukrainian or hearing Ukrainian the first four years of his life. So he can't understand me. We can't communicate with each other. We don't know each other. I just took him out of everything he knows. And now we're in an apartment in downtown Kiev trying to figure out how are we gonna get back to the US. It was difficult. It was painful. It was a really hard week. And finally, all the details work out and we're on a plane and we're flying across the ocean and we land in Charlotte. And I've got one short flight left to Nashville. And we get on the plane in Charlotte and I'm sitting there on the plane and he's next to me and just this little boy who has been lost, left and abandoned. He was abandoned by his parents at the hospital when they found out he was born with Down syndrome. Never known the love of a father or mother. And after all the difficulty of that week and we're still struggling to communicate, he just, he lays his head down in my lap and he falls asleep. And I am exhausted, I'm tired, I'm worn out and all I wanna do is sleep. And I look down at his face and it was the first moment where I felt that deep sense of attachment to him. And I was overcome with this deep love. And I looked at his face and I just thought, that's my son. And it cost a lot to get here in this seat right now. It was a hard, painful journey. It cost us a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort. And it's been hard. I thought it was gonna be easier than this and it's been hard. But I'm looking at the face of my son and I'm overwhelmed with this deep love. And in that moment, after a season in my own personal life of feeling pretty distant from my heavenly father, I was overcome in a fresh new way with his love for me. And he told me in that moment, I've given you just a little taste of what it costs me to adopt you and make you my child. And I love you way more than you love him right now. And in a fresh moment, he gave me another taste, another glimpse, a look at his face, a look at the eyes of of love that renewed my joy. He sees us and he loves us and he wants us to know his face is right there looking on with love and he wants to restore joy. If you've never met him, don't leave this morning without taking the opportunity to meet the face of love and experience resurrection joy. Friends, if you know Jesus and you loved him, you love him and you walk with him. If you need a fresh dose of joy this morning. I believe the Lord has that for you. 
I believe he has it for you. And I believe he wants us to go out and be carriers of that joy with one another. Christians, our face is meant to be a face that brings joy into the lives of other people. A face that loves, that receives, that welcomes, that carries the joy of Christ. And that is a powerful thing. I wanna leave you with these words and then we're gonna close things up. Alex and Crystal, do y'all wanna come and get ready maybe just to lead us in a closing song? This is Paul writing to a friend of his. We actually see this theme over and over again in some of the letters in the New Testament about the joy that's found in face-to-face connection. And he says these words, for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. And then he also writes to Timothy and says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Friends, we need to be present with each other. One of the solutions to the brokenness of this generation, the the, the lack of the disconnect with one another, and I believe the source of a lot of the anxiety and depression that we have is we're not getting the FaceTime with each other that we need. I mean, John even wrote this, these words in his second letter. He says, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. We would just say, I'd rather not text you on my phone. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Friends, there is a completeness that we need to be finding by being connected in real relationship with one another receiving and experiencing the joy that the Lord wants to pour into our hearts and reflecting it in each other's faces. Friends, you need to be linked consistently with fellow believers. And you need to be a source of friendship and hope and joy to those in your life. Let's receive that from the Lord and let's share it with one another. Amen? Amen. Do we wanna walk in some resurrection joy this morning? All right, so I wanna invite you to do something. I'm gonna pray in just a moment. And I just wanna encourage you. I'm gonna stand over here just to the side of the cross. And I'll give you an invitation for for two things this morning. Number one, if you want to meet Jesus, if you want to experience resurrection joy, new life, new birth, all you'll see on this face is a smile that wants to greet you and introduce you to him it would be my great joy to introduce you to Jesus this morning. I also wanna say, friends, if you're a believer and you love the Lord, if you know in your heart, I I need a fresh touch of joy this morning. I believe I've got a prayer in my heart for you and I'd love to just encourage you for a moment. And so as we're all gonna worship in joy and in celebration of our risen Savior, Jesus, if you'd like someone to pray with you, I would love to do that. And so you're invited to come at any point during this next song, all right? All right, well, Jesus, thank you for your great love for us. God, thank you for resurrection life. Jesus, we are in awe of you. Lord, we've barely even scratched the surface of all that you have done for us. Lord, the road you walked, bearing our guilt, our shame, our sin on the cross, you can now relate to our sin and our struggles and you forgive us freely and fully. Lord, the physical beating that you took on the cross, Lord, 
you now tell us that by your stripes, we are healed. Lord, you long to heal us physically. God, you long to heal our hurts, our pains, our broken hearts. Lord, thank you that you even experienced betrayal and abandonment on the cross so that we would never have to be alone again. And so Jesus, we are in awe of you, our risen savior. And we turn our faces to you now in joy and in celebration. We receive you as our savior and we worship you. And we thank you this morning for resurrection life and therefore resurrection joy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, friends. Amen. Can we stand and worship in joy this morning?